0: I'm just going to read from the readings that were yesterday at Mass. I think it kind of fits what's going on here. This is the Psalms and the readings. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yea, wait for the Lord. Now, you are here, and it's an obvious truism, you're not somewhere else, okay? You're here because you're interested in the public good. You're not watching television. You're not playing pool. I know there's some guys out there playing pool. I used to play pool quite a bit. But you're here tonight because you're concerned about your neighbor, okay? Love your neighbor as yourself is one of the commandments. All politics has to do with the public good, and it comes under that commandment. Loving God first and loving your neighbor after that. It's all politics. is about nothing else. Now, the fact that you're here tells me you're a little bit more interested than people who just registered to vote. And then maybe vote even in federal elections. I mean, in Virginia, we have elections every year. We apparently never tire them. <laughs> and we have state elections and local elections, and then we have federal elections. So that is that's how we proceed here. Kate was talking about, uh, uh, and I helped her dad uh, yes, uh, in 1980, and I'd, I I will never forget, you know, the the accident. And I always, when I look at you or your brother, I feel I did something that ended up with your dad in, a, in an airplane crash. I, I always, I, I can't get over that. And what I had done, made me back up a second. My wife and I were in charge of the Arlington Catholic Diocese pro-life effort. And what we did, we, we identified pro-life people in all the parishes. And we were telling the priest, look, we'll take this burden off your back to get people involved with politics, not politics, but legislation because they weren't involved with in politics. Just identify for us one pro-life coordinator at each parish. Now, there were 51 parishes. We found coordinators at 47. Most of these folks were baptized Democrats, okay? They wouldn't vote Republican if you put a gun to their head. But, I mean, look, my parents came from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Yellow dog Democrats. You know what that means? You would rather vote for a yellow dog if he's a Democrat than a Republican. Now, I was in that camp until 1972 when I watched them govern Presidential convention. I watched it from front to finish. And after the end of that convention, I said to myself, You know what? No longer am I not a Democrat. I'm not on the same planet with these <laughs> people. It was such a radical divide. And that's when the feminists took over the Democrat National Committee nomination system. And they have not let go since 1972. They control that process. Uh, radical Liberals have run it and have run it ever since then. And, and, and they've not let go. And then they've changed the rules to make sure that only their kind of people get to these, to these conventions. But to go back to this, we had identified these pro-life coordinators. And a friend of mine named Tom McMurray, who used to work for Bob Michael, was the uh, minority leader of the Congress of Illinois, came to me and said, Bob, can you get people to go to this convention for this fellow named Dick Obershain. He was chairman of the Republican Party. <clears throat> I said, let me see if I can do it. I said, there's one question. He's got to be pro-life, no pussyfooting around. Well, Dick Shane was that pro-life person. And what we did, this was on the side of the diocese, and it's too late for the IRS to pull any tax status, but <clears throat> we told all these folks, there's an opportunity for you to exercise your civic responsibility if you go to this thing called Republican Convention and these mass meetings. When I said mass meetings, some people thought they're holding church on Wednesday night in the Fairfax schools and at the other schools. That was not it. A mass meeting was simply a gathering together of people at a a school or other, you know, like a rec center, where you then would nominate yourself to go to the next level, and then the next level was finally written at the state convention. What eventually happened was we found about 900 and some people go to this convention from Northern Virginia, from it was then the 8th and 10th congressional districts. It was basically uh, Prince William and uh, Fairfax, Loudoun, Falls Church, Arlington, uh, the city of Fairfax, and Alexandria. 950 people. It was about 10,000-some people at this convention. Is that right? 10,800? So just from Northern Virginia, we had a little more than a tenth of the people. He, he was running against two other people, State senator, I think, named Nate Miller from the Shenandoah Valley, and John Warner, whose current wife was Liz Taylor. And she had just come back and she hopped her ring so he could, he could run this thing. Now, I was not allowed to be a formal participant in this because I was working for the for the diocese. I said, like, okay, but I'm, I'm going to watch this thing. So I actually was sitting, my wife and I were sitting behind John Warner and Liz Taylor, like about four miles away, just watching all this going on. This was the longest political convention ever. And up until that time, it was the largest political convention that ever took place in the United States, even including presidential elections uh, conventions from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Mm -hmm. The count came, I think it was the fourth ballot. John Warner's doing his own count. He thought he won. His arms were shooting up like this, like disconnected pistons flying off the crankshaft. I said to myself, John, you didn't count right. You you didn't win this one yet. Nate Miller pulled out of that race. It then became her dad and John Warner. On the fifth and final ballot, the sixth ballot, he won. Okay. Now, I was not involved directly in. I wasn't in a sense involved in politics, but I was involved with getting people to go to go to these conventions to do this activity. He won that. Beat all the money of uh, Liz Taylor and John Warner, who was former secretary of the Navy, and then had this unfortunate accident. Which I will always remember. It was people just like yourself, who grew up in a background culture of being a Democrat, who decided, you know what, this right-to-like question is probably a fundamental question that we've got to address. I'm stepping over the line here and doing this. And they ended up doing that. That group of 900 people became the nucleus of a phone survey that we did. I developed a five-question survey. Again, all this is on the side of you know, what's with the diocese five-question survey, where we called everybody in Northern Virginia in these two congressional districts. This was before robocalls and computers and everything like this. This is like 1979. Questions. Is abortion important to issue? Yes or no. Is it so important to you that you have to have somebody be pro-life to win, to vote for it? Yes or no. Do you think abortion should be legal? If they said, for any reason other than the life of the mother, we kicked them out of the box. We didn't include them. Next question, are you registered to vote? All right? Now, we identified about 22,000 households in both the 8th and 10th congressional districts that, and this is all grunt work by all these people who were at these parishes, mm-hmm. for whom, with their phone calls, it is this laborious thing, identify these people for the next election. The next election came up, a guy named Frank Wolf who had tried and lost before, and uh, Stan Paris, who was in but then he, was, he lost again. We had the names, we didn't give the names to anybody, but Stan Paris and, and Frank Wolf gave us the money, I mean they gave us stamps. We had envelopes, we had our own brochure, we had a very brochure. This is all hand-laping and sticking and uh, things like this. <clears throat> Nothing mechanical, all intensive labor. We kicked out a pro-abortion Catholic from St. Meredith's Parish. Her parents. We used to walk down the aisle going to communion and shaking hands. Nothing making a difference. <clears throat> and Joe Fisher, a Unitarian. Okay? So that was just a simple process. I was working on Capitol Hill after that. And again, this fellow named Tom McMurray came to me. Now, I've been going around the country trying to get people to work at the precinct level. What's a precinct? Anyone know what a precinct is? What's a precinct? The local voting You've read the Bible in the Precincts of Pharaoh? That's the, that's the King James Version. Okay. This is the Catholic. <laughs> it's the smallest cell, political cell, in the political body. It's where everybody within a certain geographic area goes to vote. It's like the nucleus of a cell in your body. Same thing. Social structures arrange that book. I was trying to get people to work at the precinct level, because this is where things are made and unmade. Now, this thing we had with her dad was a convention bit. Way of nominating people, but normally it is a precinct. It is a precinct operation for a primary election, which is the stepping stone of the general election. If you control this operation, you control who's nominated, okay? But that's what this is about. So we had this operation and we turned it into this bigger machine, and I was going around the country speaking to people. I probably had contacts in about 12 or 13 states. Now, 1980 is what kind of a year? What happens in the even numbered years where there's a zero you know? the Presidential election. Okay? <clears throat> now, well, yeah, it does. Okay. Ronald Reagan was in Iowa. Ronald Reagan lost to, you remember? You all weren't born. George Bush. Okay? He lost to George Bush. Tommy Murray <clears throat> came to me and said, Bob, can you help Ronald Reagan? I know he signed that abortion law in California. He regrets it. And I was working for Congressman Bob Dawn at the time. So was my wife. He regrets this as the biggest mistake of his life. I said, okay, I believe him. I'll help him. What I did, I drafted a letter with several questions in it for Ronald Reagan. Not from Bob Marshall, but from Nellie Gray. You ever hear of Nellie Gray? The lady who does the March for Life. I drafted another letter from, you ever hear of Ronald Reagan? Ronald Reagan back to Nellie Gray. I put questions and answers in each one of these things. I gave it to Tom McMurray, who used to be the executive secretary for Ronald Reagan's cabinet in California. They came back proved these things. I took these letters and shipped them out to about 13 states where there were primaries. Who won the 1980 election for the Republicans? Ronald Reagan. It turned it around just by doing that. Now, none of this made the papers. I didn't want it to make the papers. But I wasn't in elective office. I wasn't even a member of the Republican Party. I worked for a Republican congressman from California, but I wasn't official in the party. And this turned it around. You have more power and influence than you think if you simply operate the levers of power. You don't even have to be registered to vote, because when I run for office, I've had people who who were not old enough to vote, who walked door to door for me and got me votes. Okay? You need to participate in this process in this way because there's a reason why Christ calls a lot of the people sheep because they'll just eat something that's put in front of them no matter what if you are that farmer fishing or this fisherman fishing for these boats they'll eat the diet that you put in front of them they're not stupid they just don't have time to do all these things okay so you need to make that time to do that and pick this as your possible avocation in life you all are very young you were starting up before I got when I was a kid I met Harry Truman. I watched the Armin McCarthy hearings. These were these big fights in Washington over who was a communist, who wasn't a communist. Uh, I I campaigned for Jack Kennedy in 1960. I offered to drive ladies to the polls. They knew my driving record. I got no options. Uh, But I just did these simple things, and I was always involved with politics from a kid on. So you can do the same thing. Now let me fast forward here. In the General Assembly this year, in my own elections, I beat other Republicans in 1991 and the Repo- Democrats claimed they voted for me because I was the most radical no exceptions on abortion we homeschooled our children you just thought we are throwing kids off you know into a you know uh, river for doing this as a matter of fact when my opponent came up, he said at the first debate, I want you to know that Bob Marshall and his wife homeschool their children <laughs> I said, where's the next shoe going to drop? I said, yeah, we do It's allowed under Virginia law. We're going to keep doing it. But this was like anathema. This was a wrong thing to do. Now that kind of has, you know, passed by the wayside. But I won. I was outspent. I've been outspent in every race. was outspent almost 5 to 1 this last race in 1991. They put up brochures claiming I'm going to take away women's birth control and God knows what. I still won. Why? Because I had people go door to door like yourself. And when someone like yourself He sets himself at a door, and the person back here, the voter, says, gosh, I got this campaign brochure, this says Bob Marshall, would do all these stupid things, but this young guy or this young gal, they don't look that stupid to me. They look very presentable. Uh, It neutralizes the opposition, okay? So that's what you have to do. Recently now, I have been involved in a a controversy. Last week, there was a press conference, which I... I walked in, I should have had notes I didn't do it. Mistake number one. I talked about Planned Parenthood, which is wrecking our culture. They're wrecking souls, they're wrecking families. Look at the uh, births in 1960, 95% of all births occurred in marriage. 2007, a little less than 60% of all births occurred in marriage. Now, a child conceived in wedlock or out of wedlock is just as precious in God's eyes, but you're rolling the dice against these kids where they don't have a mother and a father, anymore. okay? This is the feminist revolution, breaking the family down. Fueled by Planned Parenthood, okay? So I said words to the effect, this is, because I do medical research, I said, look, there are more handicapped kids now because of abortion. It's nature's vengeance on the next child. who worked the first pregnancy and caused more problems than the subsequent pregnancy. Then I made a big mistake, quoted the Old Testament. Quoted too close to this, I said this kind of like a punishment Christians could understand I never said God punishes people with handicapped kids and the proof of that is you've had the cream of the Virginia journalism establishment there ABC, CBS, Associated Press NBC, Washington Post Virginia Pilot, Richmond Times Dispatch and other outlets if I would have said kids handicapped kids are punishment from God does anybody here reasonably think these supporters have sat there and done nothing Nobody said anything, because they know me, because I have worked to help handicapped kids in my entire career. So nothing happens that day. Two days later, a college student with mm. a, a capital news service, you would think it's some big event. It's not. It's a journalism school at VCU. Put this press statement out. I, Bob Marshall said, not Bob Marshall hinted, but Bob Marshall used words that can be read to the following effect. Bob Marshall said, "Handicapped kids are punishments from God." I never said that. And she quotes two of the sentences in here. What's a period. Where does she stop? She stops. What I had continued and said. What I'm talking about is, VCU had a study of abortion and what it did to subsequent pregnancies, damaging the pregnancies. Okay, handicapping the kids with low birth weight, and premature births. If you do this enough you're increasing the incidence significant of cerebral palsy and in, in a magazine, I'm oh, sorry, a medical journal called the Journal of Reproductive Health, not a, a tract from the Vatican or Jerry, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr. October 2007 talked about about 22,000 excess low birth weight babies directly attributable to a prior induced abortion. And they added that there's 1,000 it's either 96 or 98 children born low birth weight, under 1,500 grams, with cerebral palsy directly attributable to abortion. 31.5% of all kids born with cerebral palsy today came because of an abortion. Okay? $1.2 billion. Planned Parenthood is going apoplectic. They do not want this information out. There is a fake, there is a farce around here that abortion is safe for... First, it's never safe for a kid who's killed. Okay? It is never safe because nature has consequences to actions. You can't rupture the cervix in a woman's body without damaging the ability of that muscle to carry that pregnancy in future pregnancies. It doesn't work. There's an old expression, God always forgives, man sometimes forgives, but nature never forgives. It's a closed system. It's got its own internal construction. You can't get outside of it. You can be sorry for things, but if you are an out, if you drink too much, You can't, and you get a bad liver, or you have a car wreck, you can't blame God for putting certain properties in alcohol. You were the one who were drinking. You are responsible for this. An action of nature is not an action of God. Period. So, I'm being crucified for this other point right here. Now, over the week, me and my friends have said a whole bunch of prayers. And that's why I read this off, Wait Upon the Lord. There There were editorials, this... This weekend, which talked about the fact that number one, Bob Marshall does not—he you know, he says what he means, he does what he says. We believe him, okay. When he says that he didn't say this, you got to believe this guy because he actually is an honest politician. I didn't ask for this editorial, but we were praying, and it, and it came out there. For a newspaper to call a politician honest it's like an oxymoron; you know? it's hard to exist, okay? So. I did nothing at this point but wait on the Lord and say prayers. And now, I'm answering all these blogs, these feminists are screeching, and I put the medical journal articles on there with no editorial comment of my own. And I, I go to the National Library of Medicine, it's called PubMed, and you can type in cerebral palsy, type in big words and, that's the, you know, I guess the Boolean logic, abortion, induced abortion. You'll come back and get a whole bunch of articles, all right? You copy this, you put it out. Because you are gifted with faith, you have a special advantage in knowledge. But other people who don't have faith, you can't argue from grounds of faith. But let me ask you a question. If an atheist, a Buddhist, a Catholic, a Baptist, a Hindu, and a a rabbi all go to the beach and jump in the water, what happens? They get wet. Nature is the medium for all of us. We have to argue from nature. Even if you're impelled by faith, you argue from nature to get your point across. And honest research shows abortion causes serious problems in subsequent pregnancies. Okay? None of this changes. You can have more power and influence than you think. I put on my website, www.delegatebob.com, excerpts from about 200, with 258 excerpts, it's probably 240 articles that were peer reviewed or were paid for by the United States Public Health Service with contracts with the state of Hawaii or New York. I'm talking about abortion complications. Let me give you something else here. So, so you, you can download that and you can write to your state senator. You can write to your delegate and you need to do it. Just download that cruise through, pick these out, and put it in the newspaper because this is the Achilles heel. I had people call me up who are shrieking at me, tell me their PhDs in biology and that I'm lying. I said, well, I tell you what, here's, this, here's the reference in the National Library of Medicine. Go look at it. I don't have to look this. Oh, an open-minded scientist. making an a priori conclusion that when I even tell him where to go, he was telling me where to go in different places. When I tell him where he can find information now, He doesn't want to do it because I'm unsettling his belief systems. So just like when, you know, Christ met with some people who didn't want to hear, shake the dust off your feet and go to the next house. Okay? Don't throw pearls in front of swine. So, again, you have more power than you think you have. Just by being active, just by coming here tonight and doing this. So you're writing newspapers. Go use the body of science that's there. And again, I've done all the research for you. i pulled it out. You go to my website and just download this, look at it, keep it in your computer, scroll down, find what you want, copy and paste it and ship it out. This is the Achilles heel because they do not want to get this information out. Original Supreme Court decision, Roe versus Wade, <coughs> claimed that abortion was safer for women than childbirth. And who were they using? Play print as doctors, okay? They, keep, they were contriving... The information they were not looking at all the information, and let me give you an example of lying that's going on. The Centers for Di- Disease Control (CDC), which I sometimes call the Center for the Illusion Contrivance, puts out these forms, these standard re- reporting forms for public health events. Public health event is a birth, okay, a live birth. Name of the mother, name of the father, background, smoking, this, whatever, and all these complications. Placenta preview, where the placenta is before the baby. Retain placenta, where the placenta stays inside the mom after the baby's born for more than a half an hour. Fetal demise before, you know, the full, full term. Anyway, they have all these complications down there. They want to know, in one little box, how many live births you had. In the next box, they want to know information, how many induced abortions you had, how many spontaneous abortions the woman had, how many ectopic pregnancies. And folks, let me tell you what. They don't put these in separate boxes. They put, they collapse all three of those into one box. And you know why? Because the Center for Disease Control is full of abortions. They do not want the truth that abortion harms women and babies. They don't want you to be able to use this research to link it. But when you go to the uh, in pr- induced termination of pregnancy report, they want to know how many live births the woman had. One box. What's the other box? How many induced abortions she had. Now, why do they separate it for one but not the other? They do not want the truth out here. Okay? So you're proceeding at a disadvantage. But if you know this and you tell other people, you create a sp- suspicion in the minds of your peers to say, we're really being lied to, and information is being withheld from us. Okay, so again, if you start now, you're starting way ahead of where I was. I guess even more, you were know, in cadence right now, but, but please do this, and you can you can have immeasurable influence. You can change everything around. More of your your age is pro-life than when I was 25. Okay, and in part it's because. When people keep aborting their kids, this is a self-limiting revolution. It's not revolutionary, we're full, okay? They're not having as many kids, they're killing those, and pro life are having those. Eventually, by attrition, this reverses itself. It's a bloody process because so many kids are getting killed. And you, but you have to do that. Now, let me switch one topic. I have a bill in which it's House Bill 10, which states that the federal government may not compel you to purchase private health insurance. Why is this important? Number one, the Congressional Budget Office has said Congress has never done this in 220 years. The Congressional Research Service says it's a novel concept as to whether you can use the Interstate Commerce Clause to do this. Now, why is this important? Obamacare, both in the House and the Senate, well, the Senate more than the House, they have provisions to compel you to pay for abortion. They want to break your conscience. They want you to be part of this process so you can't pull out. They're attempting to co-opt your conscience because they want your soul, ultimately, and they want to turn you into a serf. Now, why do I say that? A contract, is a a bilateral contract, is a mutual agreement between two people who voluntarily enter into a a goal upon the same identifiable terms. If I come up to Kate and says, Kate, I want you to sign this contract. If you don't do it, I'm kidnapping you for a year and charging you $25,000. She said, Bob, I'll sign it now. She's quiet. She goes to the court later and says, this is what happened. That's a contract signed under duress. It's voidable. Okay, Obama administration says, if you don't want to pay for this insurance, you're going to pay a $750 fine. If you don't pay the $750 fine, you're going to pay a $1,900 fine, or, I'm oh, sorry, a $25,000 fine and a year in jail. Now, we are shifting from a government of contract whereby citizens have an agreement with the elected officials through the medium of a constitution, a state constitution, a federal constitution, where the agreed upon terms and means of the social contract are here within this constitution to a government of status. I'm the boss, you're the slave, you do what I say or I put you in jail. But we are shifting to that. And it's in great part because of this question of life. Okay. And some people go so far as they don't want you to be part of this process if you are if you come at it from religious motivation. They forget that Martin Luther King was a what? Was his profession? A pastor. Conveniently forget that. I had a guy call me up the other day and says, you're forcing your religion on people. I said, I'm not asking people to eat fish on Friday.
1: <laughs>
0: and not I just, I just have to say and have to, you know, believe in the Apostles' Creed. I just don't think we should give money to Planned Parenthood, which I call Planned Parenthood. And I said, um, no, you're forcing your religion. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I'm a Catholic. You're forcing your religion. I says, all right. The federal constitution states no one may be given a religious test as a precondition for holding office. So you're giving me a religious test. You're saying if I'm a believing Catholic, I can't hold public office. Who gave you the authority to do this? He's imposing the religious test, not me. So don't be intimidated about this, all right? Now, if you step into this arena for these motives, you are going to get flack. Alright? You'll have to develop prudential skills, but you're young enough that you can do it, and you're smart enough that you can do it. Did anybody see the movie uh, The Man for All Seasons? Okay, Thomas More was silent on the point of the issue. He never admitted this, even though you kind of knew what he was thinking. So you need to fi- use the civil law for your protection. And you will find, in other words, because, it, again, it's this medium between all of us right here. If you do, if you learn this, if you proceed and step forward in faith, you can turn this country around, all right? There already are signs of it. And we must resist this effort from Washington, DC. I got interviewed by a guy from the Boston pilot. And he was talking about this. And he was saying, well, what about this case? I said, no, there's another case. The Supreme Court has never said that you have to do this. There's no interstate commerce power to do this. And I said, look, it's no wonder Obama has so many czars running around in D.C. He wants a dictatorship. He really does. He does not want you to be a citizen where you have a mutual agreement with the leaders based on a constitution that everybody understands. He wants you to break your conscience. The only people that's been breaking your conscience are tyrants. Okay? Now, let me stop and you have got questions. Let's see what I can do. Yes, sir. How important is the conservative movement, or how influential is the vote now? It seems like in 86, 70 years after Roe v. Wade, you were pretty influential, it sounds like, in maybe turning the tide, getting people educated. Have people with pro has been lulled a little bit as far as the vote is concerned? I mean, I, I, it's interesting how you're playing a modern angle here with the Planned Parenthood thing. I think it's a great point, but how much does it resonate with the let me, common vote? Let me, let me tell you something. I introduced a bill this year, and I'm sorry for not mentioning it you now, Personhood Bill. Personhood, we, were, we, were, we took a, a modification of a statute the Supreme Court sustained in like 1989 in the case of Webster. No, it was, it was uh, Missouri. It, it was a law out there. And they said, let me back up a second. The Roe versus Wade decision claimed that because Texas had not recognized unborn children as persons in other arenas other than abortion, that you really, you're really, really not a person in the full sense, so we can just ignore this claim of yours. Texas claim, I don't care if they're not 14th Amendment persons, we've decided that you know they are protectable, and you should accept our claim, because we have the police powers to do this. The Supreme Court said no. So, the Catholic cardinals in 1974, when they testified before Congress, they said, one essential element that must appear in any legislation or constitutional amendment restoring protection to the unborn is the stamp of personhood must be placed upon children before birth. Okay? I was just putting in that bill. My own, you know, the Virginia Catholic Conference here, they weren't supporting the bill. I said, wait a minute. I decided to call Bishop Laverde up here in Arlington, and I decided to call Bishop DiLorenzo. I left messages with DiLorenzo, left messages with the assistant to Bishop Laverde. Bishop Laverde calls the lawyer who represented the Catholic Conference named Jeff Caruso. And he said, Bob Marshall called me. And you tell Bob Marshall, if he has any public policy questions, not to talk to me, but to talk to you. And I told the lobbyist for the Catholic Conference, I said, look, friend, if I want to call the bishop and talk to him, I want to talk to him, not to you. If I want to talk to you, I'll call you. So this is how it started off, with they didn't want to even help. My own bishop didn't want to talk to me about this at all. So the vote came before a uh, a courts of justice subcommittee, and the representative from the Catholic Congress got up and says, well, we appreciate Delegate Marshall's enthusiasm and his dedication. We don't support this. Oh, the vote was four to two against it. Two Republicans cited the non-support of the Catholic bishops as the reason why they didn't support this thing. Now, had they voted the other way, would have been a win for the right to life, and the question would have gone on the floor. The church, the church officials, when they play patsy with the, you know, uh, with the public uh, arena here, and do not stand up, we lose. Now, I'm going around them. I'm a lay Catholic, and I, I intend to do that, and I'm not stopping, and I've sent out all over Northern Virginia the testimony of the four Catholic cardinals about this. Let the, let the priest and everybody argue about this You know, talk to Bishop Laverde I was not satisfied with that response not even willing to talk to me didn't like it but you have to reestablish the personhood of the unborn to do this and, and we, we have to that's one of our goals to do it and I was going to do this and this, this is what I said I put my cards on the table I was hiding nothing I said my goal here is admittedly this bill doesn't outlaw abortion but I know I can't reach that goal today but I want to set up the tension in public life which says this is a human being, this therefore is a person, this therefore should be protected under law. And the fact that we're not protecting this person under law, I want to cause anxiety among the public, especially public officials. Why are we letting these children being killed? Okay. I wanted that tension out there to create the necessary movement to say we're going to challenge Roe versus Wade, don't care. We're going to step on this. We are not going to take no for an answer. So that was my goal. It's still my goal. Still my tactics. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to do that. Other questions. I have not been that thorough. You must have questions. Yes, sir. What would you say to those who um, are definitely interested in trying to uphold the, uh, I guess the conservative principles? Them, to actually encourage them to run for office? Like, if there's just that one, you know, if they're just a little timid to, to jump into that. First start off helping a campaign where somebody will be, where they've said on record, not in the closet, this is my principle, this is my goal, this is why I want to do. Do it that way and get yourself a little bit immersed in the political arena, one step at a time. Believe me, I did not want to run for public office. In 1991, there was a redistricting as a result of the census. that There will be a redistricting taken this year from the census. Every 10 years we do this. I went around and tried to find somebody to run for public office who was a conservative, for a pro-life, had some experience. When I couldn't do that, I talked to my wife. She said, okay, you run. We had worked on Capitol Hill. But this is the interesting thing. We worked on a road project in Prince William County. It had nothing to do with the right to life. The county, wanted to, the county took out a road plan that was about 17 years old that VDOT had when a lot of houses weren't there. They were going to build a road that had to take 127 houses. They're calling it a parkway and there were 12 stoplights in nine miles. I didn't call this a parkway myself. We thought this was not too smart. So four of us got together, we raised $800, the other side had $300,000. We aided to their lead by about 26 percentage points. How do we know? The county did the survey and told us that. I thought, like, no, I don't like my money being used against me like this, but it's interesting that you told me that. So I worked on a road project, and we eventually convinced the county to do the route that we suggested. We took seven houses instead of 127. We saved about 18 months in construction time and about 27 million dollars. And I thought, I'm done with this. Then the redistricting came up, and that's when I decided to run. So what did we do with signs? We put signs up, Bob Knows roads. You Democrats are saying, this guy's against abortion. He'll take your birth control pills away from you. What were my signs? Bob Knows roads. <laughs> but he'll do this. He'll oppress women. Bob Knows roads. I didn't deny this. And when questioned, I asked this, of course. What's the purpose of medicine? Save lives or kill them. All right, now, the babies are human. they're persons protected. End of discussion. So I did not intend to do this. I backed into this circumstance, and I've gone down there in Richmond, and I've I've upheld this, and I haven't changed one iota on these moral principles. I don't. I can't. I didn't invent them. You can compromise like a road can go here, it can go here. Solomon, cut the baby in half, you can't do it. Alright? Start with these little things what does the Bible say? Be faithful in little things. you be given bigger things to do. That, that, that's all you have to do. Yes, sir? Mr. morning. it sounds like you're pretty good at the end around. And uh, i from Louisiana. We just shut down a major abortion clinic there due to administrative procedures. You have Cuccinelli in office now. You got, uh, he, says a very, he says it's a very prominent role in life of the, the governor. Why don't you guys start uh, doing these things administratively? It's not illegal in Louisiana, but they have an abortion, of course, because we can't make it illegal. But what we do is we're shutting the, the clinics down, citing uh, health violations. We uh, are. Let me give you this example. I have House Bill 334, which will come up on before the Senate Head and Health Committee on Thursday. And my bill has, does one thing. It says you're getting informed women of the complications in a future pregnancy that an abortion may do. Now, in the 1980s, up until about 1986, or 84, I'm sorry, the state of Virginia regulated abortion clinics. They said you have to have so much equipment, resuscitation equipment, sterilization, all this kind of stuff. And then Governor Bilal just pulled it out. He did this under a General Public Health Authority. He didn't have a special statute that said, you must regulate abortion clinics. OK? now. If these bills fail, I'm going to come back. I was just on the phone tonight when I was walking in here, setting up a situation where I'm going to ask the governor, you need to require the following. Why do I say you can do it? Because you used to have the authority to do this in the general public health laws And moreover, you can require that women be told about this. When we passed the statute for informed consent, it took away discretion. The doctor must inform the woman. But that doesn't undermine the general power, public health power, of a state government to require things, should they choose to. The governor can do this on his own. He he can go this way, he can go this way. So if all these bills fail, we're going to precisely do that. But we're doing the legislative route because I want to get these people on record, OK? The one thing you've got to do is to force a vote so there's no pussyfooting around, no middle ground on what you believe. Now how did I start this? How did this start? Back in 1976, I took information up to a congressman from Southern Maryland, Bob Bowman, and I gave him my documented research showing that abortion was being funded by the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, all right? Of course it was being funded in programs supposed to prevent abortion, but that's how government programs work. And I said, we've got to stop this. You know who I got opposition from? The Catholic bishops. Their lobbyists did not want to do this. They said, no, we have to go for a human life amendment. I said I don't want to wait till the second coming to get an amendment on the floor of the House of uh, Representatives. You've got to get people on record now to do this. So I gave this amendment, this information to Henry, to uh, Congressman Bowman, all this documentation. He said, "I know just the congressman to give this to." You know who it was? Henry Hyde. I didn't know Henry Hyde. He was a freshman congressman. Henry Hyde. About ten, <coughs> excuse me, ten days later took my research, hand wrote an amendment, walked up to the clerk of the house, came to him, and started this huge fight. They said, I was nobody, I just had information that I gave to a public official who acted on it. So you can do a lot of things. You are more powerful than you understand. Other questions. And again, later when I worked for Bob Dornan, the Catholic bishops opposed us on that. We cut off military abortions, we cut off abortions, free abortions in the District of Columbia. Who was opposing this? The Catholic bishops. I don't know where they got their heads. I mean, when they started off in 74, they said the amendment has to have this, that's great, that's fine, but then they froze. I have a suspicion that the US Catholic Conference is very much tied into liberal politicians. And because it's mostly the conservatives that push this, and not the liberals, they're a little bit ambivalent about pushing this agenda because they know some of their liberal friends are going to go out, they're going to lose. So this is tension within the Catholic Conference, and their legal and then their counsel and advice is, I think, compromised by that. Other questions? Yes, Elizabeth. I have my curiosity, but are you are you planning on running for any races of a you know like statewide or otherwise? If God wants to punish me for my past sins, I'll run for something <laughs> else. <laughs> yes. Do you have a student here said, "Richie, you know, who's involved in conservative comeback." oh yes right they made phone calls for me uh, last uh, November or actually October I think yes so they helped you in your yes they did right they did get out the phone so calls so that is effective absolutely it's like on the other side of the bomb he's been doing that's correct yes that. Yes. Yes. absolutely Look, you know, there are, there, you don't need a lot of people to get... How many apostles did Christ start off with? Twelve? One, one bolted? So he had eleven? There's about a billion and a half Christians in the world today. Okay? You start small. You grow big. Other questions? Yes, sir. I was glad to hear about your interposition amendment to stop health care. Um, I don't know, I'm sure you're aware of this, but I don't know if the rest of the audience is... Catholic conference bishops basically have supported the health care bill as proposed by the Obama administration primarily because they're expecting lots of welfare money to be attached to the Catholic hospitals and stuff. So I just wanted to throw that out because everything you've been saying confirms that oh, I, listen, working that's working across purposes. There was an article. for Did you pass these out? Okay, listen. Please... Write me an email. I'll put you on my alert list and give you information. Okay? But no, you're you are correct. This article in the Arlington Catholic Herald from the Catholic News Service, talking about it. well, now that the Stupak amendment is on the House bill, it's okay to vote for the health care bill. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's not okay to vote for it. Moreover, Stupak amendment had life, rape, and incest on there. None of those exceptions are supposed to be okay. The original Hyde amendment had no exceptions at all. None. But no, that's why I say I think the Catholic bishops apparatus, the U.S. Catholic Conference, is very cozy with liberal social welfare programs. And remember, talk about giving giving alms and money. It's supposed to be your money, not your neighbor's money. Other questions? How did you get rid of Father Brian? Oh, this was great. I was working for Bob Dornan. He had three Catholic L.A.s, me, Bob Moffat who now works at Heritage Foundation, and Chuba of Edlin. What's an L.A.? I'm sorry, legislative system. Okay. We went back and looked at church history where, gosh, a, a, a pope condemned a Roman emperor for a massacre the day before and forced him to go to confession in the arena, or he was an ex- excommunicated. We went back and drafted a letter for Bob Dornan, who was in Congress at the time, citing all this history of what was going on. Now, at that time, there were two Catholic priests in Congress, a Norbertine priest, who's named and losing right now from Wisconsin, but he voted pro-life, and Father Bob Dryden a Jesuit, whom one time when I got on the elevator with Congressman Dornan, Father Congressman Drynan was there, Dornan goes up and says, Father Death, how are you doing? This just went like this didn't want to answer one at all. So we wrote this letter, we drafted it for the Congressman, he put his own phrases in it, we sent it to Rome. Didn't hear anything for a couple months. Then a statement comes out from the Vatican. No Catholic priest in politics. So Bob Dornan is in the back of the cloakroom one night. Tip O'Neill, Catholic politician from Massachusetts, big heavy set guy. I mean you would the typical Paul, who looks that way—big cigars, you know, fingers, uh, you know, rings—all this kind of stuff—and Dornan's walking out. And all of a sudden, Bob, he stops. Yes, Mr. Speaker. Paul, the word is you, not trying or out of the box. Is that true? Dornan said, "No, sir, Mr. Speaker. I never talked to the Pope." And he ran down the steps <laughs> because we wrote the Pope. So Dornan was telling the truth. But he wanted to get away before he was gonna pin him down. That's how trying to get knocked out. That's the real story. <laughs> Other questions? Okay. Well look, thank you so much for coming here tonight. I didn't